Welcome to Common Ground YYC on Livewire Calgary. Reviendra à la ville de Calgary. Today, Calgary is a different place than it was yesterday. All right, welcome to Common Ground YYC, episode 14. I'm your host, Josh White. This week, I'm joined by Paul Dornian. Paul is the president and CEO of the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra. Welcome. Nice to be here, Josh. So just to start out, tell us a little bit First about yourself, your background, how you became, how you came to be in your current role. That's a long and convoluted <laughs> story. I'll try and be. It's a long form podcast. We got time. <laughs> okay. Well, I started my career as a performing musician and uh, I'm a classically trained clarinet player and my training, uh, you know, as a student was at the Cleveland Institute of Music uh, where I did a bachelor's and master's in clarinet performance. Uh, when I came to Calgary in 1982, I went to work at the Mount Royal Conservatory and be a freelancer in Calgary, a freelance performer. So I spent a number of years teaching and performing, including a lot of performing as an extra musician with the Calgary Philharmonic and playing touring shows and organizing some chamber music concert series and doing some work for CBC as a performer, those sorts of things and uh, developed a fondness uh, for the Calgary Philharmonic. Then I drifted to the dark side. I started off not being even vaguely interested in administration. I just wanted to play and I liked teaching. However, I would get frustrated with people who were organizing things and think, oh, they should do this, oh, they should do that. And so gradually I started doing some of that organization myself and discovered I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, and so by oh, 1986 or something, I, I was balancing my other activities with being a full-time arts administrator at Mount Royal. And then by uh, I think the late 80s, I was had served a year or so as acting director of the conservatory and in 1992 took on that role and uh, led the conservatory from 1992 through 2015. Well, I want to touch a little bit on your experience at Mount Royal. So just for everyone's sake listening, I am actually an alumni of, of at the time, it was Mount Royal. Oh, biases are revealed. <laughs> biases are revealed, but... And I want to talk a lot about, you know, the conservatory and what it can do, what it has done and, what, you know, its place in the community and what it does for kind of youth development of, in the arts and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I was I was a cellist. I wasn't a particularly great cellist. My my brother, who who edits this podcast, is a professional musician, former uh, CPO member, now lives in Denmark and uh, him and his wife are uh, orchestral musicians in, in Denmark. Uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I, I sort of followed my brother into, into music. It was never something I was going to do professionally. It was always something my brother was going to do professionally. But, you know, I remember, you know, the extraordinary experiences of 
of, of, of Mount Royal. You know, I still get a little anxious <laughs> anytime I'm around the Jubilee Auditorium or or uh, Mount Royal University. I get this like sense of anxiety because I got I used to get so nervous as a musician, um, and and maybe that's why I didn't end up going into it. But uh, but it's it's terrific to talk to you. I remember you from your time at, at Mount Royal. Let's touch a little bit on your time there. You were there you know, up until a few years ago, you led yep. the organization through the development of a new facility there. So that's the new Mount Royal University Conservatory, including the Bella Concert Hall. Talk a little bit about what that facility has done for that organization. Well, I, I think that facility is one of the great facilities in North America, uh, anywhere, for a conservatory like Mount Royal. And the Bella Concert Hall is a gem. It's an absolute jewel. It's not a large hall. It holds about 750 people uh, at the maximum. But, you know, for that size hall, it's uh, as, as good as they come. So I think it's been a wonderful benefit for the organization. Having said that, uh, buildings don't make the organization. And, you know, I was fortunate to be part of a big transition for the conservatory. We started in the late 1980s, uh, creating new programs and finding ways to involve the community more and connect with different parts of the community. And in addition to the wonderful base of private instruction that conservatories always have, where you go and take your piano lessons or your violin lessons, we developed a great group of ensembles and class activities with the philosophy that music is not something you do on your own. Music is a social experience. Always. Pianists, I guess, and maybe classical (laughs) guitar players can... A little more solitude. Yeah, they they can make music on their own, and uh, I actually think you pay a price for that. But the happiest pianists I know are ones that uh, are collaborators and play chamber music and uh, work with other musicians. So music is always a social activity. It's also a social activity when you go out to listen to it. And we really tried to underpin the whole curriculum at the conservatory on that basis. And we developed some wonderful programs uh, that deserved a better space. So we started uh, working on the concept of the uh, what has become the Taylor Center for the Performing Arts in the late 1990s as an idea. And then it took a long while to get to fruition. I came to the Calgary Philharmonic in July July 1st of 2015. And to be honest, I hadn't intended to stay at the conservatory as long as I did. But the building became a little bit all-consuming. And as we were getting closer and closer to fruition, I didn't think it was a good idea to leave. I wanted to stay and see the end. So I did. I actually moved into the building for two weeks knowing that I was going to be leaving, you know, I knew somewhat before that, that I was going to be leaving for the CPO, but thinking, well, I should at least go and sit in the new building for a few weeks and uh, feel a little bit closer about that. So, so that's, you know, I I think eventually facilities reflect, uh, you know, the type of organization you have. The conservatory is a great organization, with a long history, it's the, I think, fair to say, the last original part of Mount Royal that still exists. You know, if really? you go right back to the beginning, um, when it opened its doors, 
let me see if I can remember. I think it was 1911, might have been 1912. Uh, it's well over 100 years now. Uh, the conservatory has been the one part that has stayed uh, you know, consistent all the way yeah. through the history as it started as a residential high school and transformed into a community college and eventually into a university transfer type of institution and eventually into a university. Yeah, I remember, you know, running around, there's always this, when it was embedded in the building, I remember there's always this interesting dynamic between the college students and the conservatory students. There's all these, all these kids running around mucking about, yeah. uh, and, and now it's a bit of a separate facility. So I, I guess that's probably changed the dynamic a little bit within the institution. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I, I haven't actually been there since, you know, uh, very much to see how that dynamic changed. But it, it is unusual to have, you know, an excellent conservatory like that um, yeah. embedded in the post-secondary uh, institution. But I like to think in Alberta, we can think differently and we don't yeah. have to follow all the models that everybody else does. So that's a great thing. I want to touch on the facility expansion, you know, your experience with Mount Royal and, and, and some of the upcoming work that's going to be happening with Arts Commons. But I want to keep a little bit on you know, the institution that yeah. is the conservatory, you know, being an alumni myself, even someone who was not a, you know, someone who was going to be a professional musician. It was just a huge, huge part of, of my life, helping shape who I was, just developing who I was as a person, learning skills that were outside of just normal school, you know, getting a circle of friends that was different. It just helped you know, become, help me become a much more well-rounded person than I, than I probably would have yeah. had I not. Talk a little bit about the role of, you know, youth arts and the value, you know, give a pitch for, you know, a parent thinking of putting a, a child into, into, into the performing arts. I, I think the performing arts in general, music instruction in particular, gives you a set of skills as you're referring to that uh, you don't find just about anywhere else. Um, years ago, a light bulb went on for me, decades and decades ago, talking with a colleague about the value of you know music instruction, why your child should have music lessons. Yeah. And he put it very succinctly. He said, it's one of the few things you ever do in life where it may be a very social activity, as I mentioned before, but Every day you go into a small room by yourself and wrestle with your inadequacies. Yeah. That's that practicing process and going and learning to be, to self-evaluate. Yeah. You're doing something hopefully you love. Uh, most people love music. If you don't, maybe it's not the right thing for you. But for most of us, we really enjoy music making. But you have to sit down by yourself and very carefully, personally evaluate, what am I doing well? What am I doing not so well? How do I work towards mastery? Yeah. And that's where, that's a skill that very few other disciplines require. And if you develop that, it takes you through life. You It can apply to absolutely anything you do. So that's a big part of the value. And the other value is that, as we mentioned, it's social. Social means you create with other people. Yeah. Not by bossing them around, but by collaborating and doing something wonderfully positive uh, together. And to do that, that's another set of skills you have to learn, whether it's playing in a 
jazz combo, whether it's playing in a small band, whether it's playing in a large uh, orchestra or uh, you know, an ensemble like a choir, you have to be very careful about what you do, but the sum is much greater than the individual parts. Yeah. So you learn to work collaboratively, to take direction at appropriate times, to step forward and shine at appropriate times, uh, and to blend your voice with others to create something really powerful. Once again, when you have those skills baked in and you've learned how to do that, as a child, when you're out, it doesn't matter. The most important to me thing to me is that people participate in music and enjoy the experience. It's not important to me that um, they make a career out of it or become professionals. Yeah, I did that. I have many friends and colleagues, you know, who I'm very fond of who do that. But being a performing musician or really any type of musician is a really tough go. It's a yeah. it's a tough profession yeah. and it's certainly not for everybody, but the benefits of a musical education and you know being part of you know such a creative process as music making uh, are tremendous and they don't link to that. So for the few who I uh, would say have no imagination and can't imagine doing anything but being a musician, go and do it. Uh, for the majority, just take part, enjoy. And uh, when it comes time to maybe not necessarily perform anymore or publicly perform anymore, enjoy going to the concerts and uh, hearing other people doing it and you'll understand it better and it'll speak to you. I'll, I'll, I'll echo that sentiment as someone who's been through it myself, even though I'm not a professional musician. I was part of the Mount Royal Conservatory. I I was in the Calgary Youth Orchestra for a time, toured England with the orchestra. Just really some of the most important experiences of my life, um, uh, just in my learning and socially. Um, and, and Mount Royal too has, you know, has produced, a, you know, some pretty phenomenal musicians. Like many of them are in the, in the, in the orchestra, in the Calgary Philharmonic's day. I, I remember, you know, studying alongside Arnold Choi, your, your principal yeah. cellist. I remember I was, I was like about five years older than him. <laughs> he was this just amazing prodigy. I was 13. He was like eight. He was like twice as good of a player <laughs> as I was at that day. And you could just see he was destined for amazing things. And now he's landed here at home in, in his, in, in his hometown orchestra. And, and he's, he's one of many, many stories like that where people, alumni of that program, you know, my brother included, have gone on to become, uh, you know, successful professional musicians. It's, it's an incredible success story that more people should know about in Calgary. No, absolutely true. Um, the music business is completely international now, and it's interesting to see alumni, uh, you know, and where they've ended up. Uh, Arnold, you mentioned, is a classic example. He left Calgary, if I'm remembering correctly. I've known Arnold, by the way, since I think he was four years old. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he left after high school and went uh, to study at various conservatories and programs in the United States. Uh, Yale. Know, has a, yeah, yeah he, was, he was at Yale. He was at Colburn School in Los Angeles. And then he finished up at um, Stony Brook, um, State University of New York in Stony Brook and has his doctorate from there. So 
wonderful story, and then eventually came back to Calgary. We have, you know, people like your brother, you know, who also, you know, grew up in Calgary, studied, went and studied internationally, and is now, you know, came back to Calgary to work, and now is working in Europe. It's a relatively small and fluid community where the um, performers in it do work uh, in all parts of the globe. Let's let's touch a little bit generally on on the Calgary Philharmonic. You know, some of our listeners won't know that much about it, may have never been to the Calgary Philharmonic. Talk a little bit about its history, uh, what the what the CPO does throughout its season, uh, just a, a, you know, CPO 101 for the audience. Okay, the Calgary Philharmonic, um, I'll go back before the Calgary Philharmonic started. There's a wonderful, wonderful history of orchestras in Calgary. And to one extent or another, uh, amateur, semi-professional, there's been orchestras going back to the uh, late 1800s, the early 1900s. At one point, I read uh, that I'm going to say there were three or four regular orchestras playing for the movies in Calgary back okay. in the 20s and 30s. Now, these were not enormous ensembles, and when we say orchestra, it might not look quite like the Calgary Philharmonic, where you, on any given night, might have 75 or 80 people on stage. But they were orchestras nonetheless. Uh, the Calgary Philharmonic then came into being in um, the late 1950s, when two of those type of community-based orchestras merged, and they created what I'm going to say was a semi-professional orchestra made up of some of the professional musicians in town. And this is when Calgary was, what, like 250,000 people? Yeah, or or even a little smaller than that. (laughs) I I remember there were a lot of the wind and brass players were from the Princess Patricia's Light Infantry Band, which was a military band stationed in Calgary. And uh, there were some fine players, and, you know, they put together this orchestra that started playing regular concerts. If I'm remembering, they started at the old Palliser Theatre and then eventually ended up, you know, when it opened at the Jubilee Auditorium in Calgary. And it kept growing. There was a real passion. When I was a child and um, I used to go in the 1960s up to the Jubilee Auditorium and hear their Sunday afternoon concerts with uh, my family. Uh, and it was a big part of what we did. In the mid-1970s, uh, with, under the leadership of Maurice Hanford, who was a British conductor, the orchestra took the step of moving to become a fully professional ensemble and uh, changing the employment contracts and so on and attracting uh, you know, a good core of professional musicians from around North America. And that became a new era. For the orchestra and it's continued since then to grow today we have 66 full-time musicians we usually play with uh, anywhere from 75 to 80 musicians on stage depending on the repertoire adding you know some excellent professionals from around the town to play with us for those particular concerts we offer 80 to 85 ticketed events a year, mostly at the Jack Singer Concert Hall, some at the Jubilee Auditorium, but the Jack Singer is our home. And uh, we try and reach the whole community. So in addition to those events, um, we do performances in different parts of the community. Uh, We do education concerts. We do outreach activities to try and make the 
Calgary Philharmonic, a real part of the civic identity. Um, the mayor calls us Calgary's house band. We uh, are the orchestra for Calgary Opera. Um, we, you know, are the orchestra for Alberta Ballet and play with them each year for the Nutcracker. We're the resident orchestra with the Honans International Piano Competition. So, in addition, which is a really renowned worldwide yes. competition. Oh yes, yes, absolutely one of the best in the world. So we really become a central resource for the community. It's it's a wonderful thing to see because with the very specialized nature of the positions with the orchestra, um, we're able to attract into our community terrific musicians who otherwise wouldn't be able to make a full-time living here. Yeah. Those folks then go and they teach at the Mount Royal Conservatory. They teach at the University of Calgary. They do workshops in the some of the public schools. They may be teaching in their homes or teaching in um, different types of uh, music education facilities around the, uh, around the city. They set up small concert series. You know, they like to balance some of them their activities with the orchestra with playing chamber music, yeah. or playing popular music, or um, you know, working in other genres. So again, they become a resource that goes out and do, does those things. Yeah, it's more than just you, know, you yeah. show up on a Friday night and they're playing at the Jack Singer. They're all throughout the community. They're they're all throughout the community, and uh, it having. A fine professional orchestra in a community just changes the whole nature of the community. Talk a little bit more about that. Just, I'll ask you to be a bit of a, a representative of the of, of the large arts community, not just, yeah. just, just not just the Calgary Philharmonic or uh, some of your past roles, but talk a, talk just generally about you know the importance and role of performing arts and the visual arts in a community in terms of its culture and its economy. Uh, let me start with the culture part. Employment is a very important thing, and we're always talking about new jobs. We do that in the arts as well, and you know we're proud to be probably the largest arts employer in Alberta and at the Calgary Philharmonic. But more importantly is arts create place. They create community. I'm also a big sports fan, and what I tell people is, is the two places communities come together are at arts events and at sports events. Yeah. And whether that's on an amateur level, a professional level, all different types, but those are the, the best places and the most common places where community comes together in a very positive way. Yeah, there, uh, there's sort of two sides of the same coin in terms exactly. of like the, the small C culture of the city. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they build community. If you don't have those things healthy and vibrant, you have a place that people go to work not a place that they build homes and build lives. Yeah. Um, and, and that is absolutely critical. The arts are also an important um, economic driver, just like other parts. And we're coming to realize that a lot more. Calgary, sadly, in the last number of years, has seen real challenges with the energy industry, which we've always depended on. And we're in the process of diversification. As we move down that road, people are realizing that employment in the arts, the creative industries, are a real major part of the economy. And we really have to keep those types of things going. So great positive social influence, a great economic driver. And then at the same time, I just 
have you know think that uh, arts is one of the most positive things in a very challenging world. I, I just think in so many different ways, arts make us better people. Whether that's expressing you know the world around us through visual arts, whether that's reflecting the joys and sorrows of day-to-day life in theatrical performances, or whether that's the quite different, almost, I'm going to say, transcendent experience we have with a fine music performance where you're not quite sure what it's saying, but you know you're better off walking out of the concert hall after a great performance yeah. than you know when you walked in at the beginning. Um, it's almost a shared humanity you know, yeah. it, it's uh, where we come together with the rest of our community and share, you know, a really positive experience. So you touched a little bit on the state of the Calgary economy and yeah. the, the role in, uh, of arts, you know, as, a, as an economic generator in and of itself. But what, you know, the downturn, how has that affected the arts community and the Calgary Philharmonic specifically? What challenges is it? I imagine it's presenting a lot of challenges. Yes. Yeah. Where do you start? How much time do you have? <laughs> this is this has been my life. Uh, when I came to the Calgary Philharmonic in 2015, it was uh, early in in this downturn, and it was at a time when I remember well. We all thought, "Oh, this is just another one of those little blips. Price of oil has gone down. We'll be back in business, and the money and the oil will be flowing again shortly." And uh, hasn't really played out that way. So it's been. This downturn has been a real challenge for the whole community on every level. The most obvious is things like corporate support. Most arts organizations, um, we don't live in a society where government funding is, uh, you know, for the arts is as high a priority or comes in the amounts that it would in other parts of the world. And, you know, that's just the way it is. So traditionally, we've always relied on a combination of some level of government support, earned income from selling tickets and um, those sorts of things, and then, uh, you know, from philanthropy. And we've always had a very generous community. In Calgary in particular, and I'll talk Alberta generally with the arts, we've had much lower levels of government funding than is the case even typically across Canada and much higher levels of philanthropic giving. The corporate portion of that has been dramatically reduced, as you can imagine, by the recession. And that's, um, I totally understand that. If you're laying off thousands of people, um, it's really difficult to, you know, keep being very generous philanthropically. Many corporations that were very affluent in the past, you know, hit points where they were losing large amounts of money, those that have, you know, come through and are viable and making money are doing so in a changed environment with far less resources. Um, you know, companies are showing that you, you can make money with $50 barrels of oil, but only if you're very, very uh, efficient with your cost management. Right. Uh, and we haven't seen, you know, we got hit hard by the drop in corporate levels. And of course, I think all arts organizations also experience challenges to an extent with their audience. Um, We still get very healthy numbers coming out for most shows, and the really special ones will quickly sell out. Um, But people have to be more cautious. I think just generally, there's a real awareness of everybody's careful about how to spend every dollar. So 
that has had some impact in in that regard as well. I think you know that we are being creative, and our civic government has stepped up. Um, you know, more recently, and uh, we're looking forward to a bit more flow. You know, from civic support for the arts, which uh, is an excellent thing, and I'm very pleased about. Uh, but it's like the rest of the community. It's going to be a challenge for any number of years to come. Yeah. I want to talk a bit about, you know, some of that, uh, some of the civic conversation you alluded yeah. to. And, and part of that support um, is around the conversation around the facilities. Yeah. So the building we're sitting in um, or the complex we're sitting in, Arts Commons, uh, is has been around for for a long time. It's a you know it's a staple in the community. Expansion and renovation yep. has been talked about for quite a while now. It's, it's sort of been talked about as the sort of package of cultural and entertainment facilities and sort of the east end of downtown at Victoria Park. And you know recently the city made its commitment to its portion of the Arts Commons expansion. Talk a little bit about, at least from the CPO perspective, you know, what what's the value in that facility expansion and, you know, what why does the community need a facility expansion and renovation, at least from your perspective from the Calgary Philharmonic? Okay, there's there's two parts to that. Let's talk first about the renovation. Yeah. Um, the, the facility is aging. Um, it's over 30 years old. Also, though, when it was built, it was built around a core of, I think it was three historical buildings, which were retained in the design to various degrees. Yeah. So it's an interesting combination of newer theater and performing spaces and, you know, historical spaces. Uh, for example, with uh, our home at the Jack Singer Concert Hall, the lobby of the Jack Singer Concert Hall is actually in the public building, which is yeah. a historic building. Right. Uh, and so you have very definite parameters on what can happen and, uh, you know, how they could construct that. And then the concert hall itself is new build. Well, when I say new, mid-1980s. Um, so with this type of facility, it's wonderful. And I love both aspects, the performance spaces and the historical spaces. But you have some real life term uh facility issues uh, and that's what's coming up you know there's there's a significant portion of that project which is just deferred maintenance yeah. it's to make sure that people 20 notice, years people from, notice the scaffolding on the outside yes, of the public yeah. building for example it's deferred a lot of deferred maintenance a lot of deferred maintenance and we want the buildings still standing and safe 20 years from now but but that's an example similar to city hall we have scaffolding and we have um, some portions of the facade that are enclosed now in um it's like a burlap or something yeah lest a chunk falls on someone's head that's right that's right it's, it's terrible to say yeah um interestingly it still looks pretty classy but um those things have to be dealt with because uh it's a limestone facade i think on this building and uh you know has to be updated but within the building everything you know from having historic elevators you know old escalators, you know, things that just don't work. So there's there's these issues of deferred maintenance and making sure the building continues functioning. I think then the second part, you know, of the equation is also the expansion of facilities. And it's not going to be so much an expansion of the facilities within the uh, existing theaters. 
Uh, some of those will be redone. The Jack Singer, for example, is a wonderful space. Yeah, it's a phenomenal performing space, really. It is, yeah. and it has great acoustics and um, really doesn't need very much done. I think we replaced the seats in it a few years ago, and there's not going to be a lot else internal things, probably some updating of technology and so on. However, some of the other spaces, you know, do need a little bit more work, but they're not going to add a lot of capacity. The capacity will come by actually building a new theater that is going to be a complement to the existing suite of theaters, which would be right across um, Stephen Avenue Mall uh, and be part of the general redevelopment of the Olympic Plaza area. Right. And that will give some capacity. Like... Uh, the Jubilee Auditorium, the Arts Commons is full. <laughs> we, uh, you know, it's bursting with activity and it cannot accommodate all the different types of activity and booking requests and so on. So looking carefully at the business plan, if there was a, another theater across the street, um, that would have two functions. The first would be, you know, for the first part of its few years of its life, a place that you could uh, put, for example, some of the activities of the uh, theater companies in there while their spaces are renovated. And then as that is completed, then it becomes another rental space where we could book a lot more activity in. And when I say we collectively, the Arts Commons is our landlord, you know, and we're one of the resident companies here. But there's a lot of wonderful performance activities that are available that don't always get to Calgary because there's not the right space for them. So they've done. You you hear that argument about, you know, arenas at that level too. (laughs) We just don't have the some of the cultural facilities yeah. that, that touring companies need. Well, and I, I think with all these projects, to the best of my knowledge, they've carefully looked at that building capacity yeah. issue. So whether it's conventions and uh, those type of activities that pass over Calgary because there's not an appropriate space, and yeah. now there would be, whether it's you know the bigger um, you know, stadium type of facilities or performing spaces, we have to remember how Calgary's grown. When I was a child growing up in Calgary, it was 200,000 to 240,000 people. Um, now, you know, we're well over a million people. And, you know, despite the challenges, that population is continuing to grow every year. Yeah. So the infrastructure has to grow with it. Do you see the value in, you know, you have the new central library nearby, a fantastic new facility. You know, there's talk about how Arts Commons really becomes more integrated with Olympic Plaza, more as a cultural space across the tracks with BMO. And, you know, you have the convention center nearby, the Glenbow nearby. You know, what what is the value? We talk a lot about this entertainment, arts and culture district in, in this public pitch for all these facility expansions, including this one. What is the value in having that sort of, is there like an agglomeration effect of having all those facilities close by? And is there is there synergies between them that, you know, can be tapped into? Yes to all those things. <laughs> um, just to make a few comments on that. Yeah, I thought, think there's been a lot of thoughtful process where these spaces are not duplications. These are all complementary types of activities. And you do get a synergistic effect. Um I was amazed after, you know, uh, spending my life out on the Mount Royal campus, very great 
space in many ways, but isolated. Yeah, it's isolated. Yeah, you know, and and just you know, not so many restaurants, not so many things. Yeah. Uh, when I came downtown, I started worrying about well, what's parking going to be like? Is it going to be hard to get in and out? It was actually not bad at all. Uh, those things all worked out quite easily, and then I was thrilled with the energy downtown you know which is quite a different type of energy and it, it is it comes from those things from being yeah. having all these different activities going on in close proximity it allows things like a much it becomes a safer place you know the, when yeah. you have a downtown area and people are living in downtown in a way that they didn't 20 30 years ago right um so they're looking for things to do but it's a much safer place when you have a lot of people on the street and yeah. you have uh, all these activities going on, the business opportunities, you know, for the restaurants and the bars and, you know, the places that people like to go after work. We've certainly seen an upswing in, you know, members of our audience who live downtown. Uh, and so those things are good. I've seen since I've been in Calgary this wonderful re-energizing of the East End, you yeah. know, where we are now. It used to be, I wouldn't say a no-go zone. It was never quite like that, but it was uh, a little seedier and, and not nearly as vital. And now it's become that. And between the wonderful things that have happened down in Inglewood, for example, uh, you know, which is a very close-in residential area, and the East Village and now, you know, the areas uh, around Olympic Plaza, it's, it's exciting to see their magnets. Now, the other thing that happens with all of this is, you know, it links in with tourism. If you're looking at economic development, tourism is a real opportunity. Calgary has always been the place you went to as you were on your way to the mountains. There are, as you know, we develop these uh, alternatives and, you know, create these great entertainment options, uh, then it becomes a lot more tantalizing for people to spend time yeah. and, and stay here and become a little bit more of a destination. Yeah. And so these expansions really are just building upon that success in your view. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it just, it makes Calgary a better place to live. There's yeah. more things going on, um, you know, and it's, the downtown is a really great, vibrant area. Yeah. All right, I want to finish off on, you know, look look forward to the future. You know, you have, obviously, arts, arts common expansion that's going to be coming. That'll give a bit of a new face yep. to uh, performing arts in the downtown core. But as far as the CPO itself, what's, you know, you've, you're in the, you've been in this role for a little while. You've gone through some challenging times. What's your vision kind of moving forward with the Calgary Philharmonic in terms of the type of institution it is in, in Calgary and how citizens you know, engage with it? Well, the the line we like to use is, you know, the Calgary Philharmonic is the musical heartbeat of Calgary with a global reach. And the I think we've done very well with the musical heartbeat part, as we talked about, you know, as the mayor says, Calgary's house band uh, becoming more and more relevant to people. We're going to keep working on that. We're, uh, you know, trying to get out each year and do more concerts in other communities, uh, parts of the city. I think next year, next season, we're going to be doing events at the brand new far northwest 
YMCA and the okay. brand new far southeast yeah. YMCA, the largest YMCA's in the world. <laughs> yes, yes, and and <laughs> pretty and cool buildings. Yeah, we're we're going out to Northeast Calgary yeah. and have an event there, uh, you know, coming up at the Magnolia Center. So we're trying to do those things with our Christmas shows. We're uh, you know taking those on the road and have been for the last few years as well. We want to be there for Calgary, and we want to be. Go, strong, go, go to people. Go to people and make sure that we get to the folks who, for one reason or another, aren't going to be able to come down and hear us in our home at the Arts Commons, which is still the best place to hear us because it's yeah. such a great locale. Yeah. But we understand. you know, the, We've also got this uh, commitment and really believe in going out and serving the whole community. At the same time, I think the Calgary Philharmonic is one of the best kissed kept secrets um we have an international caliber ensemble yeah we have uh, wonderful wonderful musicians who grew up in calgary and trained here we also have some of the you know world-class musicians who've come to calgary from around the globe right and we you know really play part in the international music community but we don't have as many options you know for getting out to them uh, live touring is expensive. We would like to do more of that, but that's uh, a long-term goal that depends on finances. We've started live streaming some of our performances. Uh, just this past weekend, we were live streaming the Brahms Double Concerto concert with Arnold Choi and with Diana Cohen, our concert master. That went out to the globe, and you know those type of reaches are important. We get a lot of strong feedback, and you know great numbers you know for people around the globe watching those performances live and then we archive them and they're up online for uh usually about two years after a live performance and they get a lot more viewing and listening after that so that's been a real way to start being part of that international community i mentioned earlier in our talk about how the whole music community is international the orchestras, it's a real challenge, you know, to get out there. And our culture has changed again. I think earlier in my career, when I first came back to Calgary, uh, CBC radio used to do live broadcasts any number of times a year of most of the major Canadian orchestras. Just That's, not that way anymore. No, yeah. long gone. Uh, you know, it was a matter of budget and so on. But when I look back on those days, we knew what the other orchestras sounded like and what they were doing, and it just was a much more present part of our professional life. Those opportunities are gone, and I don't think coming back. So we're looking to things that, like live streaming to have that global reach, and we're trying to find ways to collaborate with various international organizations as well uh, to take our musicians out, to bring musicians from elsewhere in, and like the rest of the world, it's become a global community. Yeah. Well, that's terrific, Paul. And, uh, you know, this has been a real personal pleasure for me at, at chatting with you and talking about the arts and the Calgary Philharmonic. And, you know, how can people reach out to the, the Calgary Philharmonic and, uh, you know, get a hold of tickets and that kind of thing? Everything is at calgaryphil.com. It's just if you go there, you, you can find out about everything we do. Uh, we also have a kiosk in the core 
uh, you know, downtown. Yeah. We're in part of a large shopping complex. You can uh, go in and chat with somebody. There's an electronic kiosk, you know, where you can purchase things if uh, it's after hours and nobody's there and there's always information out. Or if you're up for the challenge, you can come down to the Arts Commons and find your way up to our offices. Yeah. You have to come up the historic elevators yeah. to the second floor and wind around a bit, but uh, we're also friendly and open for uh, chatting with people and selling tickets out of the office. Awesome. Well, I encourage anyone who hasn't been in a while or has never been before, come out and, and, and watch and experience. It's a really fantastic experience. And thanks again. Thank you, Josh. Common Ground YYC is a production of Livewire Calgary. If you value quality local journalism, please consider supporting Livewire by following it on social media, by clicking and reading stories, advertising, or contributing directly via Patreon. Visit livewirecalgary.com 